what God is doing. I so appreciate the fact that ministry itself is really a continuation of my communion. My ministry is a continuation of my communion with God. I, I begin to realize it all the more. What, how is a message given birth? How does a message develop? And as I was praying this morning, uh, I just continued to pray. And as I was praying, God unfolds to me those things. The Bible says, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing unto you. The things that we meditate upon, we're thinking about, it's not just what we put together on Saturday or, or at the last minute throwing things together, but meditations means, or the meditations of heart is something that we constantly think about, is something that occupies our minds on a continual basis. And then out of that, God began to speak specifics, and when he speaks, he's addressing particular needs that are among the people that's to be addressed. There are things that's going on in your lives, and God is showing you that he is paying attention to your needs, and he's concerned about the things that you are dealing with, the things that you're struggling with, and he says, I have a word for you in order for those particular things to be met. And another thing God began to show me this morning as I was meditating, he says, how the Lord has a way of taking our temperature. He checks us out. He takes our temperature. Uh, he takes temperatures, people, and address those things based upon the temperature, the climate that exists at a particular time. We talk about timing and times in which we are living in. The Lord has already taken the temperature of this time. He understands the things that's taking place all around us and how they affect us. And the Lord says, now I'm going to give you a word. That's why uh, it's a purging effect when we hear the word of the Lord. We're being purged of a lot of influences, a lot of residue that enters into our lives as a result of the things that we've been, we've been exposed to throughout the week. And uh, now let's begin to look at what the Lord is saying through this particular scripture as we embrace a greater purpose. It says here, now from the beginning, I have declared it to you. It came from the beginning. Its origin does not begin within time. He says, but what I declare unto you, I would say that God's word is before the beginning. And he says, but he talks about your beginning. He says, from your beginning, I have declared unto you. He says, but I declared it unto you before it came to pass. I proclaimed it to you. Now, I begin to think about that and begin to give thought. The word uh, speaks about those things that were before the beginning. God's word. In the beginning was God's word. The word was with God, and the word was God. The word was God. And when it talks about that beginning, we have a tendency, we talk about the beginning, we begin to understand that things, everything that we see, Everything that we are exposed to has a beginning. And everything that has a beginning also has an end. It has an end. So that's why it's so hard for us to even fathom a, an eternal God, a God who was before the beginning. His word 
was before the beginning. And God speaks that word into time so that now within time we hear something that preceded time. That's how powerful and potent God's word is. He speaks into time that which preceded time. And he says, now what am I doing? I'm going to make you who I made you. I made you. I created you. There was a time when you were not. He says, but I'm going to give you a word that preceded the uh, creation so that that word can fashion you and form you so that you're postured to live eternally. So that if there's no end to the word, he's also saying, because of the word that I speak unto you, now there's no end to you. You have no end. You will always be. There was a time when you were not. I always say this, but there will never be a time when you will not be. So now, let's look at what he is saying. I will declare unto you, and he says, and it came to pass, it, 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 it came to pass, I proclaimed it to you, lest you should say, my idols have done them. Or they are the results of mere scientific discovery or man's ingenuity. The reason I want you to know the origin of these things because man will think he's so smart that he came up with the idea that whatever is developed, whatever is created, he'll begin to say, it's just a matter of time before we would, through our own reason and rationale, will cause these things to come to pass. And then he goes into idolatry because, let me tell you something, your, your mind can become an idol. Your your thinking, the way you process things can become an idol. When you rely upon that exclusively rather than upon God, he says, so now my carved images, we understand the carved images and the like, he says, my molden image has commanded them. I will them into being. That's what he's really saying here. I will them into being. I cause this to happen. I will, whatever the mind perceive or conceive, you see, uh, it, 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 believe in it, 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 you can receive it. He is saying there are some things you can't will into existence. You see, your, your will is not that strong. I will, I will. That was another person talk like that, wasn't it? This, this is not new language. I've heard somebody, I heard, I read somebody else talk like that. Who was that? I will ascend to the Most High. I will be like the Most High God. I will do that. I will do that. I will do the other. And the Lord had to show him who he really was. He had to put him in his place. It said, you're not all that, even though you thought you were. So now, when we think about God and what God is saying to us, when he says, I'm going to show you some things that you have not heard, you, uh, you have not seen, things that you cannot will into being, he says, you have heard, see, that all this, what he allows you to see, that's what he's saying, he says, all this, uh, and will you not declare it? He says, I'll let you see that. <laughs> I'll let you see the things that you see. He says, you've heard. You've heard. See, all this. You heard. See? Now, there's a time you hadn't heard it. But now that you've heard it, he says, now that you've heard it, see? He said, all this, what he has allowed you to see, and will you not declare it? What the Lord, we mentioned that it has to be a continuum of the message that God is developing within us. That's why I understand this whole thing about praying always with all manner of prayers because it is saying that we have to, let me tell you something, the more real the Lord becomes to us, you don't have to strain to think about him. 
It doesn't take a lot of effort. You got to be careful that you don't get involved in some, some, some kind of, uh, I, I call it a uh, legalistic mindset whereby now I must, you say, I must give this much time to God. I must do this much of this to make sure that you have structure within your life. But you got to be very careful that your life does become so structured and so structured that it becomes restrictive. That you get to the place where if God placed something on your heart, you cannot be fluid because you don't want a, I would say, static relationship with the Lord. You want a fluid relationship with Him. You understand what I'm saying? You want a fluid relationship with the Lord. You want to be in a place where God can say whatever He wants to say, even though it might not be your time of prayer. It might not be your time of study, but if God has something to say, God has something he wants to do, that, that you will stop whatever you're doing and say, okay, God, I, you see, plans have changed because now you desire to speak to me. And you, I, I think about it even when we talk about structured relationships or, 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 or these, strict, these restrictive relationships. You get to the place you say, well, nice time. Can you imagine it is, uh, uh, the Lord told me to hold your hand. You, you, you're married for. The Lord told me to hold your hand, so now we got to hold hands for how long are you supposed to hold hands? Let's hold hands for five minutes. That now, the, now, now it's time for me to kiss you. It's time for me. You see what I mean? And what the person, well, I, want, I have something. It's not time for us to speak yet because we're <laughs> above board. We have a schedule for everything we say, everything that we do, and because we did it based upon schedules, we feel as if that schedule is sufficient. But what you've done, now you've entered into a, 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 a structure relationship that's not fluid. The Bible talks about how we are to, to, to see together and we hear together so that we can flow together. And this flow means that we enter into such a relationship that, that you pretty much act upon what the other is thinking. You, you say, I feel your thoughts. I feel your passion. I, you, you, I mentioned one message. I said, look, it, it, love is something, yes, we don't reduce it to feeling, but it ought to be felt. You ought to feel it sometimes. I feel your words impacting my life. I feel. You say the same thing. I, I'm not engaging in emotionalism, but, but there ought to be something. When you come into this house and you hear the word of the Lord, there ought to be something that you feel. And, and let me tell you something, and it ought to help you to feel differently than the way you used to feel. You heard the testimony. This is what I would have done. That's what Pastor Greg was saying. But I, I, I felt different. enters into the equation, and it caused me to see things differently than I would otherwise see them. So therefore, my response to them is not a reaction to, uh, as I would normally react to a particular thing. So, so now, you, you see, when we talk about embracing the greater purpose, possible, look what it's really in, what it's doing. It's embracing new possibilities. In fact, that's what I'm calling this message. I, I, I was asking as I was even driving in, I said, I don't have a title. I, I always ask Carol, I always ask uh, uh, Sandra, I say, give me a title now. I don't have a title. Francine, y'all think about something to name this, but I wrote down this morning in the office, purpose and endless possibilities. Purpose and endless possibilities as a title, because what happens when we understand our purpose, then it leads to endless possibilities.
Now, we talk about endless possibilities. Embracing our purpose is the embracing of new possibilities because we're introduced, it, it, you see, it, we're introduced to us. These new possibilities are introduced to us by God. God began to say, have you, have you considered this? Have you thought of this? Have you thought of the other? You see, it's introduced to us by God. God began to show us. And here's another thing, too, that God began to show me. He does not barter with us. He doesn't barter. That's how we think. We think God is this way. If I give him something, he'll give me something. You see, God is bigger than that. It's like, uh, Lord, Lord, if I, if, if I, we understand. We understand there are rewards for faithfulness and all of that. I'm not taking anything away from that. But we're talking about the, the very personhood of God, the very, the very heart of God. It, it's not about bartering. He says, if you do this, I'll do that. If you do, he says, Here's how God deals with it now. He says, I don't want you to just give me a little bit of your time. I don't want you to give me a little bit of your money. I don't want you to give me a little. We talk about borrowing. I, I, you know, I hold your hands. He said, no, I want your whole life. I want your whole life. I don't want you to give me a little, a little, little sample of something, a little something you think that will pacify me because now you get into a legalistic a system and approaching me legalistically, I want your whole life. He says, and when you give me your whole life, what am I doing? I'm, I've already made available my whole life to you. Listen to what he's saying. I have, I have offered my whole life to you. I didn't offer it. It's like saying, Lord, I, I'll, I'll give you prosperity. I'll give you, if, if you do this, I'll give you that. Lord said, no, no, I, that's not the offer. When Jesus died on the cross, he says, I have offered to you my whole life. He said, and everything that's contained within my life is being made available to you. So now look at the relationship. Look at the relationship. You're saying to the Lord, you, you say, now it, it doesn't take a lot of effort. You don't strain at responding to him. You see, at that particular point, look at the fluid, fluidity of the relationship. Since you've given me my whole life, now I'm a sacrifice. Such a, it's not as large of a sacrifice now. It doesn't take as much of an effort because you've given your whole life to him. Your time doesn't belong to you. You're not your own any longer. I know we say it all the time, but you got to mean that stuff, that you're not, your long, you're not your own any longer, but you've been purchased with a price. He purchased you with a price before you gave yourself to him. And you're giving yourself to him as response to your understanding of the offer that he made. See, God initiated the whole thing of giving. He's the one that initiated the process. He loved us first. Therefore, our love is a response to his love. Are you still with me? So now, look at what he's doing here. So, so he doesn't bother. He offers the life. Then, watch what happens. Then we discover what is ours once we have received his life or the life of Jesus Christ. It's a discovery then. We didn't know what we had, but our whole life our whole lives will be lives of discovery. I didn't know that was in the package. I didn't know that was part of the package. God gave his life to me. I didn't know that was a part. I didn't know you gave me the things that I'm seeking after. I wanted peace. I wanted the peace. I wanted peace. I, I wanted peace of mind. I wanted hold. Lord says it's all in the package. It's all in the package. Everything that you need in this life is in the package that has been already offered to you. Yeah. 
He said, you give me your life, then you have received. But a life of discovery, you begin to discover things that's in Christ that you didn't even know was there. You didn't know that was there. So, so understand, we, he begins to enables us. Now, in that, as we discover, he offers life, we discover what we've received, then look at what happens. This is what the Lord showed me. He said, our discovery uh, can take place as a result of the Word of God being accurately com- conveyed or communicated to us. But it can only have that kind of effect lest we are eager to reach that place of spiritual maturity. Do you really want to grow up? Do you really want to grow in grace, knowledge of the Lord? You see, spiritual, spiritual maturity is conveyed when one, listen to me carefully this, it is conveyed when one is enabled to speak from the other side of eternity. Did you hear me? When one is able to speak from the other side of it. Now we go back to the scripture. From the beginning, I declare unto you, that's the other side. It came to pass, I proclaimed it to you, lest you should say, my idols have done these things. He is saying, I'm speaking from the other side of eternity. Eternity has no beginning and eternity has no end. He says, so I'm speaking an eternal word to you. Now, if you are, like I said, if you're about bartering, God, if you give me this, I'll give you that. If you're about some kind of exchange with God and you begin to withhold certain things and you're trying to work things out with him that way, you see, you're not ready for a mature word yet because that's our child. That's, child, that's childhood, childishness. Lord, I, I'm going to pout because you, you, you took my toys away. I'm pouting because I didn't get my ice cream. I didn't get, you see, you didn't give me no candy. So, but, but maturity, uh, spiritual maturity is when a message is conveyed from the other side. Now, now let me help you understand. This is, uh, I, you know, one way of looking at it, this is the wisdom of the ages or aged wisdom. It frees us up from the fears and phobias that would otherwise come our way. That's the Lord showed me, fears and phobias. Because you already, you, you say, he is my life. So what can man do to me? What can possibly happen to me? My life is secured in him. You say, I know you can say it, Pastor, because you're pretty much 75 years old. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Those that are willing and ready to receive a mature word, regardless of how old you are, you must live like the promise that God has made for you is for you to live forever. Regardless of your age. Because I think about it, man, that 75 years went so fast. <laughs> I said, Lord Jesus, you mean to tell me? You say uh, <laughs> that, that, that in a week or so, I'll be, a few weeks, I'll be. I said, I still remember when I was six and five and four. I still remember a lot of, you see, a lot. See, memory is still so vivid that 
All of the things. I remember the beginning of the ministry. I, begin, I remember many of the details of this ministry and my life as, as I evolved into becoming who I am today. I, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I remember a lot of that stuff. I'm glad I remember all of it. But a lot of that stuff I still remember, and it keeps me in check. But when I began to think about God and His goodness and His faithfulness to me, over the years, over the years, I said, Lord, I want to speak a word that's mature enough that even a child will begin to think about his future. Not just his future when I grow up, I want to be a police, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a lawyer, I want to be this, that, and the other. No, I want to be God's man. I want to be God's woman. I want to be someone that pleased God with my life. I want young folk. You, you see, when we, uh, we talk about revival, those were the kind of things God impressed upon my heart from the beginning of this ministry was to bring people to the place where we would, even from the, this ministry, to think beyond just our immediate needs. Think beyond just our immediate needs. And, and, and I, I was, it would be astonishing in our day and time that there was a great number of young people. You see, you understand now, we started ministry, I was only 30 I think I was 30, uh, almost 31 years old, 30 and 31 years old. So, so uh, uh, I start. So, so at 30, 31 years old, the kind of people that was attra were attractive to this ministry, they were teenagers, high schoolers. Do you see that? College students. You see, people that were much younger. Many of the old people said, "You're too young. You can't tell me anything as young as you are." And then the astonishing thing is that why are so many young people hungry for God? Because we weren't meeting them based upon their wants, but we were appealing to their deepest need. And you see, and that hasn't changed yet, even though culture has shifted and, and, and Christendom has shifted because the attitude that, when I say Christendom, we talk about the, the attitude disposition people have in relation, in regards to church. Uh, in the 80s when we saw the move of God among many ministries, it's much different than today. We weren't about felt needs. We weren't about just uh, uh, pleasing the crowds and drawing numbers of people to come. They came because they were hungry. But let me tell you something. I'm not saying it's always the case with others, but a lot of that is happening today where people are, they're coming to get their needs met and their needs are really their wants. Let's go on. It frees us, but it also frees us because with that, we have fears and phobias, fears and phobias. I, we've never seen uh, as many people that have fears and phobias as we find them today. Fears and phobias. We talk about at a place, I'm afraid of this, I'm afraid of that. You see, I'm afraid of this happening, that. No, if I've given my life to Christ, if I have totally surrendered my all to Him, there's a boldness that's expressed in my life, through my life that would not be there otherwise. There's a boldness. There's a boldness. So that boldness carries over into every sphere of our lives. We get to the place when it comes to witnessing. You say, well, that person, if I say something, they might not accept me. No, before I even thought about it, or before we think about it, it's already said and done. I want to tell you about, I want to tell you, it's not just this, this little light stuff. I want to tell you how the Lord has made a difference in my life. Testimony is greater than just telling people about Christ, but showing Christ through a life that's been transformed. 
You see, my life has been changed. And then they say, well, I knew you. I knew you when you were doing such and such and the same. But, but watch me now. Watch me now. Watch what I do now. Follow me as I follow Christ. What was the difference that's made in your life? It's Jesus, man. This stuff that you might have thought about, church, that might have not been real. But look at, see, let me be the evidence of the reality of the Word of God. Let my life serve as the, as, as the evidence of, his, of the reality of Christ. You see, that was young people now. These were young people. You see, so, so we're really saying here, we want to see people purge of the residue that's hindering the move of God in this generation so that people become consciously aware of the reality of Christ and not the idolatry that is pervading in our generation where you reform him and fashion him based upon your own uh, wishes and desires and passions. So now, you, you see, uh, what happens, we see then there's a reason for a particular thing to take place in your life. There's a reason for everything that happens. Nothing happens just by happenstance. Everything that happens, we begin to look at it differently. What, what are you saying in this? What are you saying? Because I, my life belongs to him. So whatever happens, there has to be a reason for it. Reason for a particular thing to take place in me, for me before me, and to me. And when these things happen, Lord, I want to place whatever is happening in the right perspective. What kind of, how, even when I suffer, even when I suffer, I want that suffering, I, I want to get some mileage out of it. I want to get some mileage, even out of suffering. Now, let's go back to that scripture because I want you to see what he is saying. We talk about, even from the beginning, I've declared it to you before it came to pass. I proclaimed it to you, lest you should say, my idols have done this. My idols have done this. Look at the proclamation. When the possibilities, what the Lord is saying, the reason if you go further in that scripture, you begin to see how they had issue with the Word of God. But when the possibilities, you, you see, when God challenges us, and that was really, if you read further in, it was a challenge coming from the Lord. The Lord began to challenge them. He said, this is what I've given you. This is how you reacted to it. This is how you responded to it. He said, this is what I want to do, but this is how I'm not able to do in you and for you and through you what I would like to do, what I would love to do for you in you and through you. He is really saying, so when the word comes forth, you see, when we want to hear things that make us feel good about ourselves and all this kind of stuff, but we hear a word that's challenging because it's coming from a different place, it's coming from the perspective of eternity, you see, what the Lord is doing, he is exposing to us our needs for, our need for improvement, the possibility of improvement. We talk about a greater purpose. He says, I'm going to show you that there exists within all of us the possibilities of improvement. God said, yeah, you, I praise God that I'm not what I used to be. I praise God I'm not what I used to be, but I'm not going to settle or plateau at this level because I'm still not what I want to be. There has to be a want to be in front of me, even though there's a used to be behind me. You see that? So I'm not, I don't want to be, I don't want my, my life to be uh, uh, determined or my life to be described based upon the stuff that I did in the past. 
But even now, Lord, I don't want to plateau so that this becomes as far as I'm able to uh, progress. But, but understand there are possibilities of improvement. And when I come into the house of the Lord, he stretches us beyond the things that we might have thought to be as far as we're capable of going. You, you see that? You, you, as far as you can go. As far as I can go. So, so Lord, you ought to be pleased. Because, look, at least I ain't drinking. At least I'm not smoking. At least I ain't running women. I'm not doing this. I'm just, that's good. I'm glad you're not. But there's something else I want to do with your life that's much greater than just getting you to stop doing the things, the habits, or break the habits that you were once a part of. I want to take you beyond that. There's some things I want to do through my people that will take you much further than you could possibly ever even think about. Because when you get to the place when a word of God is spoken genuinely, challenging the very fiber of your being, it could either be, a, 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 I would say, a, an impetus to move forward, or it could be insulting. It could be an insult. Because if you're at a place where you begin to Defend your position. And you say, look, at least you ought to be happy I'm doing this much. You ought to be glad at least I, you see. When you get to a place where you, it becomes insulting, then, and you have the tendency of defending one's own attainments, then you have moved towards self-righteousness. You see, you move the, the, the needle towards self-righteousness. You see, uh, self-righteousness all too often, you view, then if you start viewing this thing from the perspective of self-righteousness, then you will always feel as if you're a victim. You're a victim of circumstances, a victim, and you're always misunderstood. Y'all just don't understand me. I do the best I can, and I do the best I can. And every time I do the best I can, my, my good is not good enough. Now, have you, have, you, have you been there? I have. I have. See, I have to confess. I can't preach to y'all unless I be honest. Have you been there? Have you been there? You see, my best is not good. I, after all I've done for you, you're going to treat me this way? After all I try to, 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 to get, convey to you, you're still going to take that attitude? You see what I mean? And the Lord begins to show me. He said, stop being a victim. Stop being a victim feeling sorry for yourself as if you have made the ultimate sacrifice. <laughs> because there's one that did. After all I've done for you, you still reject me? How oh, can you imagine if that had been his attitude on the cross? <laughs> He's hanging there. He's, I'm coming down off this thing after a while. <laughs> I'm coming down. After See, y'all shoot your best shot. I'm coming off this thing. I'm going to call a legion of angels. They're going to get me off this thing. And when I get off, you, you wait till I get off this cross. <laughs> you just wait. See, see, get them. Get on. Wipe them out. I want to get rid of every one of them. Rascals don't even appreciate all I've done. But what Jesus did, silently suffered. He kept his mouth shut. I had the nerve to say, forgive them. Well, they don't have a clue. No, they have a clue what they're doing. If anything, you say, forgive them? 
all they've done for me. See, see, you see, you got to watch that example of Christ. Even when we get into self-righteousness, we become defensive, and we don't want to be corrected. We get to the place where we insult it whenever correction is offered or, or given. But God, in His sovereign will, will always challenge us. He challenges us to do more. See, see uh, uh, Emil Allen used to be the chief of staff here at Cross Culture Church, Abundant Life at the time. And, and Emil, out of California, he said the thing that he would always, it challenged him. He said he would come here, our choirs, we had two choirs at the time, and he had band playing and everything, and, 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 and uh, the choirs were, I mean, uh, in, comparatively speaking, if we want to do that kind of stuff, which I don't, I said we had some good choirs. They were good. They, they, they could sing well. We have good singers around here. You know, we have some excellent singers here at Cross, at, at Cross Culture Church. But here's what was happening. Here's what was happening. They, they it was singing. As they were singing, I wasn't pleased. As good as they were talented, talent-wise, now y'all, that's y'all, and I'm talking about folk here. I still wasn't pleased. And, and, and uh, because here's what, see, if I had not known the potential if I had not known the potential that existed among the choirs that were singing here, it would have been very easy to settle for what was being offered. But you made a mistake. You showed me your potential. See, that's the error. You showed me your potential. So, you know, so, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to push you. I'm going to push you so that you can move beyond what you consider to be good to better. And then when you get to better, move beyond what is better to the best. All the way, and when you're best, you reach that place of that pinnacle of best, I'm going to say your best is better than your last better. But now you're better. It's still not the best. Now, are you, you, you're tracking me now. That's what God does to us. That's what God does to us. So, so, so as a pastor, it's not just a choir. That's what I'm doing with you guys. And we, we have fallen out when that kind of attitude or uh, activity is taking place because people have the same tendency, self-righteous, uh, 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 feeling victimized, feeling as if you're unloving because you're not appreciative. No, I see too much in you. I see too much. Let me give you some scripture to back up what I'm saying here, because uh, understand, this is not just me saying this. Those that preceded us have said the same. We're talking about Paul and, 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 and all the other writers and the, that preceded us. So, because there's always room for improvement, but it's not based on what you've done, but rather what you have the potential to do. You see, impossibility is not in God's vocabulary. There's no such thing as, imp as impossible in his vocabulary. That's not a part. See, God, in fact, when he talks, he majors in impossibilities. He majors in impossibilities. Now, now, now how does that fit into us? I'll show you after a while, hopefully. See, God sees us as being more than we are willing to settle for. 
God always sees us as more than we're willing to settle for. That's me, you, that's all of us. He pushes us to the limit. Then he expands and extends our limits to new possibilities. To new possibilities. I, I was watching one movie, I forgot the name of it, but they were in a submarine. And, and, and the, 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 the captain said, go deeper. And they would go so deep. And he said, well, take it deeper. Take it deeper. Said, if you take it, you, you see, it, it, it's going to cause, he said, no, take it deeper. What he did, he took it so deep that it tested the strength of the vessel. So that now, if it had not, you see, it would have otherwise torn apart. But what they did in, in constructing it was constructed in such a way that it could handle more pressure than the record that preceded it. But you won't know it's there until you get into the deeper area. The vessel go deeper than it had gone beforehand. And the same thing. Look, I don't know how you might understand it. That's what I'm saying to you. God want to take us deeper. He want to take us deeper. You, you say, well, what happens? You say, well, this is how... Don't measure yourself by what others are saying, what others are doing. We want to measure our lives with God's standard. What is God saying? And we talk about endless possibilities. Endless possibilities. See, he sees you. You will never reach that point in this life where you've done enough. You've prayed enough. You've given enough. You've loved enough. enough you've done enough. You never get there. This life is a strain in reaching a point of earthly impossibilities. You see, we go from purpose to greater purpose. One guy wrote the book, From Good to Great. Now, look at what, look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world or to your environment. Do not be conformed to your environment. Don't let that be the measure, your environment, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now watch what he says. The renewing of your mind. He says, what am I doing? Every time you hear the word of the Lord, your mind is being renewed. I'm bringing you to place. I'm, I'm taking you to a high level of thinking. That, and then he says, and when you think differently, he says, then you provide evidence. You may prove what is, watch what he says, the good, and he's not looking at a a, a primarily a graduated scale, but we begin to see how they all connect to one another. That's good, but yesterday's good, yesterday's record is no longer good enough. Remember, in, 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 uh, who was that? Michael Jordan set a record, didn't he? Uh, uh, Tiger Woods set a record. There were records set before they set the record. They broke records in order to set new records. You see that? So yesterday's good is not good enough. He says, so now he says, what is the good? And then he says, well, it's also what is acceptable. It'll get you to heaven. It'll get you to heaven. But ours is not just to get to heaven. He said, but he says, but he goes all the way to the perfect will of God. That's a progression. Now, now Paul, began to, uh, Paul began to help us understand that. He says, uh, when he began to talk about it, he's not reached that point as, as of yet. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, Yes, indeed, I count all things as lost for the excellence of knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, 
for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. He said, everything is being lost. I've suffered the loss of all things. He said, because the value system that he operates from is of such that all the things that he lost cannot measure up to what he's going after. He said, if I have to give up all this stuff to get that, then I will let it, I will count all the other stuff as rubbish because I'm going for the goal. He said, he said, I count it all as rubbish. I've suffered the loss. He said, not only do I count it as loss, I have suffered it, the loss of all things. That's a different when you say, well, I assess it as being nothing, but when it becomes nothing, <laughs> you say, yes, Lord, I'm willing to give up everything. He says, now, are you willing to give up what you possess? Would you give that up? He said, that's a different. When you have to put some skin in the game, it becomes a different story, doesn't it? He said, so now, yes, I'm willing, ready. I'll serve you. Say it. I'll serve you. I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. Uh, I, I, I say? I'll serve him till I die. You see? And then he said, okay, I want you to stand out in the cold for 10 minutes, and I want you to work and do something out there for 10 minutes in the cold. Lord, that's unreasonable. That's unreasonable. You say, I thought you said uh, I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. I want you to give, I want you to give some money. I want you to help this person across the street. I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. I'll serve him till I die. Even though I may have to cry. <laughs> yes, indeed, I count all things as lost. And then I've suffered the loss of all things. You see the difference? I assessed it as being lost, and then I lost it all. And he says, and then he says, uh, count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. And that's legalistic. I, I wrote the article for February about legalism. Not, not, not according to the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. He said, because as I attain to that, I increase in my knowledge of who Christ is. I increase in knowledge of who Christ is. I'm growing. I don't see Christ as I once saw him. He is my life, but now I see him as being my life, that I may know him the power of his resurrection, fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. That one word I want you to pay attention to when he says, he talks about excellence, the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. Did you hear that word? Excellence. I'm not there yet. But I want to attain to that level of excellence. I want to know him excellency, excellence. I want to know something about Christ. I would have excellent knowledge of who he is. That means I will spend my lifetime in pursuing that. Because he says in the scripture, he lets us know, he tells us to be perfect. The perfect knowledge of Christ requires perfection. 
It requires perfection. You cannot attain to the knowledge of Christ in its fullness unless you're perfect. Because the more you know of Him, the more of Christ is expressed through you. So, if I had excellent knowledge of who Christ was, then I would be like Him. There would be a time, the Bible says, that we would know Him as He is. Because we will see Him as He is. We will see Christ. We will see Him as He is, but yet we will also know Him even as we are known because at that particular juncture, that which is of Christ will also be seen in us. We will reach that place of perfection. You see, but that must be our goal. That must be, you see, our aim must be that of perfection. So therefore, if that be the aim, that's always going to be the, uh, the challenge to be, uh, be corrected. That's going to be the challenge to adjust. That's going to be the challenge to, 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 to get out of whatever we currently are in in order to, to progress in the things of God to a whole nother level. Be perfect. Be perfect. But listen to him. He doesn't leave us. We talk about excellence being the goal. The Spirit of Christ in us is a perfect spirit. Did you realize when you received the Holy Ghost, you received a perfect Holy Ghost? <laughs> Can you imagine that? That which is in me is perfect. That spirit that I received is perfect. That's why he's called what? The Holy Ghost. Why? Because he is the one that makes us holy. He's the Holy Spirit. Now what happens, the Holy Spirit connects with our spirits. You see, we have the Spirit of Christ. And, and what happens now, our soul is not perfect. Our thoughts, imperfect thoughts, imperfect acts, you see, meditating upon things that's imperfect. But yet, understand, as our spirit intertwines with the Holy Spirit, he is, uh, you see, we're hearing the Word. And let me tell you, when you hear the Word of the Lord, it, it ought to restore your soul. It ought to it does something on the inside of your soul. Your soul. You see, uh, uh, let me tell you, your soul longs for this. When your spirit, when you have the spirit. When you have the spirit. There's a longing within your soul. You say, Lord, uh, I'm, I'm not there yet, but I want it. I want it. So that's the soul. That's the soul that's uh, after God, you see. That's, that's the soul that's not lost. That's the soul that's perfect. You said, I want that. I want that. I was challenged. And, and Lord, I came to church. Now, I don't feel bad because I got the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I have the Holy Spirit. I say, I long for that because I ascribe to that standard. I don't settle for anything less than that. You see, let me tell you how this helped me, how to help us too. That keeps you from doing foolish stuff. That keeps you from acting crazy because what happens, you see, you understand that you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And wherever you go, whatever you do, the Holy Spirit is in you. And if it's in you, you see what you're going to do? You're going to be, you, you see, it's almost like condemnation, but you're going to get a check. You have no business here. That's what your mind, your mind rationalizing is saying, uh, uh, but after all, I like it. But the Holy Spirit inside, if you listen, so you have to almost have to turn the Holy Spirit off in order to have your way once you receive the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. That's what happens. He, he sensitizes us to the degree that you have to violate 
everything that you've heard and come to know in order to have your way when the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you. And then uh, I always give the example. Here's how a person gets to the place. You want to make him quiet. You want to quiet him down. What you have to do, you have to get a callus developed upon your soul. A callus developed upon your soul. Let me tell you how callus, you see, th these are the right size shoes, but my feet have grown since some of the shoes I have at home. I have some shoes that's a size smaller than this size. And I wonder, I said, I thought if I bought a, a, a shoe, I would have that shoe the rest of my life. There's some shoes I used to wear. I can't wear them anymore. But I like them. I would like them. And, 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 and what, I, what, what I tried to do a few times, I tried to squeeze my big foot in a shoe that was too small. And I could walk for a while, you know, get along for a while, but as soon as I get a chance, I want to take them, them let them dogs <laughs> bark a while, take them shoes off. But, but, but what was happening, you see, if I kept wearing those shoes, my foot would have to make some adjustments, some adaptations to the pressure that I had placed upon it. And what happens, I start building, you start building corns and calluses upon the foot in order to resist the pressure that you brought upon the foot when that corn is there. So now that corn serves as a buffer between the leather and the tenderness of the foot. You see that? So, so what happened? You say, well, how did I get that callus? Because you're wearing shoes too tight. Now, where did that callus come upon your soul? You, you, you were determined to do things your way. And eventually, you don't feel any different about it. You don't feel any pressure about it. You can just do it, and it doesn't even bother you anymore. Because that means, that doesn't mean that God has already, he's given permission for you to do it. It meant that you have developed a callus. You're the first people that ought to respond to the altar call. <laughs> because that's what you don't want. You want to feel, you want to feel the pressure. When, when, when things aren't the way they're supposed to be. You want to sense the, 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 uh, that, that God is not pleased with things that does not please Him. You want to feel that. See, I rejoice when I'm corrected. You see, I, I, when God corrects us, you rejoice that you still are sensitive enough to, to sense the correction that comes from on high. You see, and, and then uh, yielding to that, so that you do not develop a callous upon your soul. What are they? That's how the people of God can be forgiving. Because we realize that when a sinner turns, when a saint that is sin turns back to God, you see, he is saving his soul. <laughs> his soul is being saved. Because what profit a man if he gained the whole world and he loses soul? Now, I've got to close. I've got to close here. But look at what happens here. He said, be, we're governed. This is what I want you to know, and I'm closing with this. And we'll pick up because this was, he, we're governed by principles and not reduced. We don't reduce principles to behavior. Don't reduce principles to behavior. What am I saying here? It is saying that when we adapt to behavior, when the church becomes what the people have become. Are you still here? When the church become what the people have become, 
when we get to the place where we're more concerned about you liking us than we are about your becoming all that God intends for you to become. What happens, we may, you may like us, but what is liking us going to, how is it going to benefit you? How is it going to benefit you? Where is it going to take you? How far are you going to grow and go, even though you like us? He said, he's a friendly guy. Man, he is so funny. He is so funny. He is so much fun to be around. And he keeps dropping these, these nuggets of wisdom, nuggets that, that, that really stimulate my mind. But I said, what about your soul? What about your soul? Yeah, your soul, your mind is a part of it. But we're dealing with heart, soul, and mind. We're saying that there has to be a message that can pierce and divide the very thoughts and intents of the heart. There has to be a word that can reach the innermost parts of your being. See, that's, that's why I said my message must be an extension of my prayer. What I pray for you, my message that I, the message that I preach to you must come out of what I pray for you. I pray that, Lord, give me a message that can pierce and penetrate the souls of the people that I'm ministering to so that they just don't like me, but they love you based upon my love for you and what I express of you to them. So that they will, you see, they will see, the Bible says they will see our good works, but won't give us credit for it. <laughs> I, I've had people, I've, had, I've heard people say some things that I have taught them and they forgot where they got it from. They tell me what I taught them. <laughs> I say, good, good. I don't, I, I'm not insulted by that. I'm not insulted by that because to me it says that they've taken ownership of it. You see, they've they taken ownership of it. And they might have forgotten the source from which, which they receive, but they receive it as being from who? From the Lord. I, I say, so, so let's look at the source. The source, source is not just the, the message that I give you, but it is the one who gave me the message to give it to you. So if they forget you, so they see your good works, but they give glory to God. They give glory to God. So, so I would say there will be generations that will come. Some of you, some of your children and your children's children will receive something that you taught them that you heard from me. They never, ever saw me. They probably, you see, they, will, they probably would have never heard of me. Are you hearing me? But because you taught them what had become life within you, they will take that to their children and their children's children. Now, I'm talking about me now, but put you in the picture. Some things that you said to your children. They'll forget that they got it from you. 
They forgot grandma. They forgot your children. They forgot grandma the one that taught mama the things that's taught to the kids. But then they teach it to their children's children. They forgot about big mama. That's you now. I'm talking about you 30-year-olds, 25, 30, 40. You big mama now. You taught them. And now it's going from generation to generation to generation. And they don't give you any credit for it. But it's passed down from generation to generation. And when you get to heaven, when you get to heaven, everybody rejoices. And he said, now, why did I get this from? I thought it was second sense. I thought it was just instinct. No, it was something that was passed down from generation to generation to generation. But it all came from the same source. It's something that God had instilled within the heart of an individual that was seeking to know him and to please him. And when he, he or she took what they had received and passed it on to others, because it became life within them, it took on a life of its own. Because the word is living. You're getting an importation of this, even as you're sitting here today. So, Father, we thank you. And we give you the praise and the honor and all the glory for who you are. You're helping us, Lord, to understand the importance of receiving from you, hearing from you, being perfected, understanding, Lord, that, we, that, that, that the purpose that we have in this life has endless possibilities, that it will go on and on and live on and on and on, from generation to generation.